I suggest that we can prove the existence of God from the impossibility of the contrary. As Christians, we do not give up our intellect. The strongest evidence and argument for the existence of God is that without a belief in God, you can't prove anything. How can the law be material? That's the question I'm going to ask you. I would say no. And can you give me an example of anything other than God that's immaterial? Welcome to the Revealed Apologetics podcast. I'm your host, Elias Ayala, and here at Revealed Apologetics, Our goal is to equip believers to defend the Christian faith, and we want to equip you to do it in a way that is honoring to God and faithful to Scripture. So sit back, relax, get your thinking caps on, and let's dive into our topic for today. In today's podcast, we are going to be covering a very important topic, and that is the biblical foundation for apologetics, all right? And so our kind of our goals in this episode, um, I want you guys to really understand the biblical foundations for doing apologetics and to understand the necessity of doing apologetics biblically. And so that's what we're going to try to cover, and I think these are two vitally important um, issues. I want to begin by uh, quoting Um, the Protestant reformer John Calvin, and it's a somewhat famous quote for those who are familiar with um, a particular brand of apologetics known as presuppositional apologetics. Um, I'm a presuppositionalist, and perhaps somewhere down the line I'll explain what that is, but um, uh, those who are familiar with this methodology um, will understand the great importance of, of the following quote, said by John Calvin in his uh, commentary on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says the following, quote, Contentious disputes arise from the fact that many think less honorably than they ought of the greatness of divine wisdom and are carried away by profane audacity. Okay? Contentious disputes arise from the fact that many think less honorably than they ought of the greatness of divine wisdom. Now, this is not speaking of unbelievers. This is actually speaking of believers who think less honorably than they ought of the greatness of divine wisdom. Oftentimes, uh, believers will adopt non-Christian mindsets, non-Christian philosophies, and they'll try to fill it with Christian meaning and argue on that basis. And John Calvin saying, we shouldn't think less honorably than we ought of the greatness of divine, of divine wisdom. The Bible provides for us a firm foundation, a firm worldview foundation, uh, from which we are to engage the world of unbelieving thought, okay? And so we don't want to be carried away, as, as Calvin said, by profane audacity. We want to acknowledge the greatness of the wisdom of God as given to us in his word. 
All right, well, let's jump right into the main verse. Uh, when we do apologetics, uh, you can buy a book on apologetics or read an article on apologetics, and everyone always starts with this passage of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And I think it's a very important passage to, um, to, uh, to pay attention to. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think it's very interesting that many books on apologetics uh, place a great emphasis upon the always being prepared to make a defense, right? You'll have kind of a youngish uh, apologist who's somewhat well-known and He'll kind of speak on maybe university campuses or at a church, and he'll encourage people to always be ready to make a defense, and we need to be able to provide rational reasons for what we believe, and all of those things are really important. But what I find um, a lot in books on apologetics and what a lot of people say regarding defending the faith is that there's a great emphasis upon always being ready to make a defense, but there's not much emphasis placed on the prerequisite for always being ready to make a defense. I mean, what what does the verse say? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. That is the prerequisite for the always being prepared to make a defense. You see, because when we make a defense for the faith, we don't do that in a vacuum. We do it while standing on a, a worldview foundation. And that worldview for the Christian must be one in which the lordship of Christ is acknowledged. Okay? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. The word hearts there, I think the very interesting, there's a very interesting use of the word heart in the Bible. Very few times is does the Bible um, refer to the heart as that organ in your chest. Many times the heart uh, refers to what some people call the seat of the will that intellectual faculty that goes into decision-making. You see, if Christ is the Lord of our hearts, then he is sitting on the throne of our minds. And every decision we make, everything we do, is grounded upon and built upon the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is vitally, vitally important as the prerequisite for the always being prepared to make a defense. We do not make a defense upon any other foundation than Christ himself. And so, as Calvin said, we do not want to think less honorably than we ought of the greatness of divine wisdom, who Christ is the living embodiment, right? Colossians 2.3 says that, um, I believe it's 2.3, it says that for in him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the, the treasures, right? So we stand upon that foundation, Christ himself, as he presents himself in the self-attesting scripture. And so that's very, very important. Before we run off engaging in argumentation, we need to understand that we begin with a worldview that is itself reflective of the foundation of Christ and his word. All right? Very, very important. Of course, always being ready is an important aspect of apologetics, which uh, seems to presuppose that in order to always be ready, we need to always be in the word of God. You see, we need to understand the content of our faith if we're going to defend the faith. Because the faith, the Christian faith, is not a contentless sort of thing. It has content. It is filled with certain beliefs, and the beliefs that we believe as Christians are connected to other beliefs. And so the Christian worldview is 
is kind of like a system of beliefs in which everything is connected. And so in order to defend the Christian faith, we really need to be in the Word of God, understanding good biblical theology and how the various beliefs that make up the Christian faith relate to one another, okay, so that we are able to defend the system of Christian truth. And so to always be ready, you know, really requires us to be studying the Word of God and being very familiar with what we believe so that anyone who asks us for the reason for the hope that's in us, we're able to give a reason for that hope, okay? And I think another important thing, too, when when we do apologetics and you learn logic and how to construct arguments and to critique arguments and things like that, uh, when, when someone engages in those sorts of things and gets pretty good at it, uh, the temptation really uh, is strong to be prideful, right? You're just there to destroy arguments and to tear, you know, any opposition down. And I think when we do that, even when our critiques are correct, even when our arguments are solid, if we don't do it with gentleness and respect, as 1 Peter 3.15 teaches us, then we are engaging in apologetics in an unbiblical fashion. That's right. It is possible to defend the faith unbiblically. It's possible to defend the Bible unbiblically. And one way to defend the, the Bible unbiblically is to engage in the defense of the faith not with gentleness and respect. And then another way, of course, to defend the faith unbiblically is to do so while not having Christ honored as the Lord, right, in your heart. Okay, so, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. You could defend the faith while not honoring Christ in your heart as Lord and as holy, right? We can do um, biblical defense in an unbiblical fashion, and that's very, very important. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is a very important feature of apologetics and the Christian life, not even apologetics, not even the area of defense, but in everything, right? The Lord is... Uh, is just that. He is the Lord. He is the ruler. He is he is the one that the scriptures teach that we are to bring every thought captive to the obedience of, right? We bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Everything in our thinking must be brought into conformity with how God has revealed himself in Christ and the scriptures, okay? The lordship of Christ is all-encompassing for the believer. He is the Lord of our hearts, our soul, right? He is the Lord of, of, of everything. And that when we fulfill the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, in essence, we are acknowledging the Lordship of Christ in every aspect of our being. And so when we're defending Christian truth, we want to do it in a way that places Christ where he needs to be, namely at the center of our thinking. Okay? All right. Very, very important. Well, what about another biblical passage uh, that deals with defending the faith? And I think um, Jude chapter 1 verse 3 is another good verse to take a look at for our purposes here. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says the following, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Okay? Notice that we get three things here out of this verse. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary, okay? Given the context here, Jude finds it a necessity to write to them, to appeal to them, to contend. So the contending for the faith 
is necessary. It is not something that is merely a suggestion. There are certain contexts in which it is necessary to provide a contending for the faith. Okay? Very, very important. In other words, apologetics is not um, just one option among many from which a Christian can choose to engage. That maybe, you know, apologetics is not really my thing. But I really like this kind of um, evangelism over here. And so maybe I'll focus on evangelism and not so much apologetics. Well, I don't think that's a biblical position, um, especially that when you engage in, in evangelism and you're sharing your faith, um, surely there's going to come a situation in which you actually have to defend what you're sharing. And so apologetics is actually connected to evangelism. Okay, So it's necessary, according to Jude, and it's necessary that we contend and we are contending for what? What's the object of our contending? It is for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Okay? And the faith once for all delivered is uh, something that is content-filled. Our faith has content. What is that content? Well, it's the content of Scripture. It's the content of, of the Word of God, which provides the foundation for our biblical worldview. And that's what we are defending. Okay, Jude says he found it necessary to contend for the faith. Why did he find it necessary? If you continue to read in Jude chapter 1, verse 4, he actually goes into something very interesting. He says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice that apologetics, contending for the faith, which is necessary, is not something that we only engage with with the atheist. But given the context in Jude here, it says, for certain people have crept in. Crept in where? Crept into the congregation, to the church, unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who creep into the church, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality who creep into the church. People who creep into the church and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. These people creep into the church. They creep into our midst. And so apologetics is not something that we do. Contending for the faith is not something that we do merely to the atheist outside the church. But it is something we also engage in within the church since there are people who, according to Jude 1.4, can creep in unnoticed. And then, of course, can produce false doctrine and can have negative ramifications for the body of Christ. And so... This is very, very important. We are to contend for the faith. Contending carries within it the idea of striving and contest against difficulties. We are to strive and work against falsehoods to promote the truth of the gospel, right? We fight against that which is false, and we promote that which is true. And we do this, right? We contend for the faith, what? Once and for all delivered. That which we are to by necessity defend, according to the text, is the faith once for all delivered. We defend the body of Christian truth, okay? And notice it's the body of Christian truth. Biblical apologetics, if we are going to defend the faith biblically, then we need to defend the Christian faith. We do not defend some generic theism or something like that. We are specifically speaking of the Christian faith as provided for us in divine revelation, the Bible. Okay? And so we want to make sure that we understand that we are defending Christian theism. All right? So let's wrap this kind of brief introduction. Of course, I can survey a bunch of other scriptures, but not to keep this podcast too long. 
let's look at some conclusions we can draw. Okay, first, the Bible commands us to defend the faith. First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, Jude chapter one, and of course um, Jude one three, and of course we can appeal to um, all over the New Testament. I mean Jesus engages in defending uh, his claims. The Apostle Paul it says that he um, reasoned with the Jews in the synagogues, proving to them from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah and that he had to come and suffer, etc., etc. Right. So this idea of defending not only is commanded, but we actually see explicit examples of. Uh, people defending the faith within the Bible, okay? And the interesting thing is that while the Bible commands us to defend the faith, that that presupposes that the faith is defensible, okay? That's very—I think that's a very important point because a lot of Christians think that the Christian faith is just that. It's just—it's a faith. It's just something we believe. You know, there's no rational way that we can defend it. This is just something we have strong conviction about, and that is not the biblical position. We are called to give— a defense, and that means that the faith is defensible, and so we need to engage in that, okay? Another conclusion we can draw is that the Bible tells us how we are to defend the faith, right? We defend the faith by setting Christ apart as Lord in our hearts. We defend the faith by always being prepared, and we defend the faith by giving a reasoned, right, a reasoned defense for the hope that's in us, and we defend the faith by our attitudes, our actions, with gentleness, and respect, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. The Bible tells us the content of our faith that we are defend, and so, as I highlighted before, we are to defend Christian theism. And, of course, as I mentioned just, uh, just before, the Bible tells us the attitude that we are to have when defending the faith. And so, from here, we have the biblical foundations for defending the faith, and what does that mean for the Christian? Well, that means go and defend the faith. It's a command of Scripture, right? If you don't feel confident, um, then you need to really be digging into the Word of God and uh, praying that God opens doors for you to um, interact with people and have opportunities to share. And uh, when you defend the faith, you're you're going to mess up. Yeah? But in that messing up, uh, hopefully you will learn from your mistakes and get out there and, and get better at this uh, this command of Scripture, right? It takes work, but that's the Christian life, isn't it, right? We, we do things, we mess up, we rely on the Lord, and we can refine our skills. Hopefully, uh, this podcast will be one of the resources that can help you sharpen uh, some of the things that you will be learning in Scripture. And um, um, so hopefully this will help to that end. All right, well, that's it for uh, episode one of Revealed Apologetics. Uh, once again, uh, just real quick by way of, uh, you know, this is the real conclusion, right? You might be wondering what uh, what does the name Revealed Apologetics mean? Well, as I mentioned in this podcast, uh, in this episode, I've gone through some biblical texts that provide a foundation for um, defending the faith. I believe that defending the faith is itself grounded in Scripture. Scripture is divine revelation, and so, for me, apologetics is something that is revealed to us. God commands us in his word, and he provides the method with which we are to defend the faith and engage with unbelievers, right? So that's where the name came from, if you were wondering. All right, well, that's enough for uh, this podcast. This concludes episode one. I hope you find this helpful. Take care, and God bless. Bye-bye. 
Thank you very much for listening to Revealed Apologetics. If you have any questions that you would like me to answer um, on one of our podcast episodes, please feel free to send in your question uh, at revealedapologetics at gmail.com.